Oh, you think for yourself? We like that around here. This is American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson. Over the last week and a half or so, we've had a couple of big economic headlines. And in one case, I think people are looking at it as a news story from far away. But really, these are things that affect our lives. I'm Mike Ferguson. Over the past week, we had the updated consumer price index numbers, basically inflation numbers. And they're showing that, hey, surprise, inflation is still up uh, no matter how you try to spin the numbers. But what does it actually mean? And are we moving in the right direction? And then, of course, over the last week and a half, we've had two regional banks fail. Is it time to panic? I don't think so. But let's talk about what it really means so that we can make smart decisions. I'm joined now by uh, Peter Earle from the American Institute for Economic Research. Good to talk to you again, Peter. Let me start real quick with those consumer price index or CPI numbers that came out for February. Basically, it says year over year, we still have some inflation that's affecting uh, what we buy and the cost of living. And I think the rest of the world looks at those numbers and says, well, duh, of course. But what does it tell us in any more depth? So thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, the numbers that we got on uh, the uh, 14th of March, uh, that's the February CPI numbers, um, they were a bit unfriendly. On balance, we found that the CPI was a little bit higher than expected, in particular core CPI. That means the price without food and energy. And uh, that number that we got really sort of points to the fact that disinflation, which seemed to have been progressing pretty smoothly, is slowing down. That's the uh, that's the big takeaway from this last consumer price index number. Yeah, and when you say slowing down, so we still have inflation. It's just not growing as rapidly as before. But I, or is it a matter of inflation is actually coming down? Yeah. So the CPI, of course, is an index with many constituents, and what we're finding right now is that uh, um, uh, in the in the core CPI number, um, month to month, we actually have higher numbers than we had last month for shelter and what's called owner equivalent rent. Um, that's a pretty, uh, that's that's a bad thing for a lot of people. I mean, because you can't really get away from paying shelter prices. Um, so, you know, with shelter still rising and it being a service and not a good, it means that for a lot of people, inflation may as well be continuing to rise. Um, at AIR, we also calculate something called the EPI, which is the everyday price index. And, uh, you know, year over year, that's up higher than the uh, CPI numbers. Year over year, CPI was up uh, 6%, uh, 5.5% without food and energy. EPI, which we got, was up 6.6%. So many people who feel like prices are still rising uh, are correct. It's not an illusion. So when politicians try to debate them and spin the numbers, whichever direction they want to know, I think what's more important outside of the, the politics of it is what should we be bracing for or planning for in the months ahead based on what we're seeing in these numbers? Right. So I think uh, the Fed has a longer fight ahead of it than uh, it was thought. Um, you know, we'll probably talk about some of the complicating uh, events of the last week or so. But what I would say is that uh, the uh, some of these sub-constituents of CPI, in particular rent, uh, they're recorded with a huge lag. So uh, I think that part of CPI and those prices are already coming down. But, uh, you know, one of the worries is that when, when inflation gets uh, entrenched and when it gets sticky at higher levels, you know, it's unpredictable. So uh, I think that the average person uh, you know, should, was probably going to be making changes to their budget. And uh, that's probably for, for, for good reason, unfortunately. 
Yeah, so don't think we're out of it yet. We're visiting with uh, American Institute for Economic Research economist Peter Earle. And you just referenced this a second ago, Peter. Pardon me. Uh, And that has to do with the uh, regional banks. Uh, Everybody's talking more so about the Silicon Valley Bank in California. But there was a second bank that was kind of taken over by regulators. Uh, When you look at the Silicon Valley Bank, billions of dollars that they had both deposited and invested there and it collapses. How in the world does that happen when they had um, they had all of that capital invested or deposited with them? I think that's confusing a lot of people. Yeah, so basically, Silicon Valley Bank is a regional bank, but it's kind of unlike many other regional banks in that it is particularly and and, and in a very profound way um, uh, uh, narrow. Uh, by that I mean it's got uh, a very very undiversified, a very concentrated um, account base of mostly high-tech firms. And what that does is that means that, uh, uh, you know, not only does it mean that they that those deposits that tend to act in herds, uh, they have many of the same behaviors, but also those are firms that are burning cash a lot. Um, they are, you know, the majority of them are, 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 are portfolio companies of about anywhere between 15 and 25 large venture capital firms. So, in the case of SVB, a, a pretty quick summary would be that they had uh, a very variable and very sort of fickle depositor base while they had long-term assets, uh, long-term bonds and agency securities that were, in some cases, 20 or 30 years dated. And uh, over time, with the Fed's uh, interest rate hikes over the last year, the costs of the depositors and the, and the, and the, and the pace of deposits leaving the bank I left them in a very illiquid position and taking losses. Okay, we just got a couple minutes left, uh, Peter. So, for what this means to us, uh, the president and uh, some others are saying, okay, even if they had more than that quarter million dollars deposited, you know, we all hear about the FDIC saying you're covered no matter what through the FDIC for up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. The president says that depositors money is going to be protected and even if the federal government involved that but he's not saying the investors in the bank like shareholders in the bank it doesn't look to me like they're going to be protected what's the difference and what do people need to know or what questions should they be asking of their local bank if they're worried about this happening to their local financial institution it's a great question so typically when these things happen, uh, depositors are made whole within a few days of the bank being shut down for up to $250,000 in an individual account. The remainder, they would have to wait for until the resolution of the bank. And sometimes that means they might not get their entire amount back. People should not put, or at least the the the, the laws intended that people should put no more than $250,000 in a particular bank account. Here, we have firms that, uh, uh, again, the depositor base is very sort of narrow. Um, it's very concentrated in, in, uh, in VC-funded tech firms. So some of these firms had a large cash burn, but they also would in, in times get infusions of millions of dollars. And whether it be there because whether it's because they're tech guys and not uh, uh, you know banking experts or whatever, uh, uh, they didn't put those, those those funds into different accounts. So this is going to create a, an issue of moral hazard. I think uh, if it's been done once, it can be done again. And you know the whole history of moral hazard is slow and incremental erosion of uh, of, 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 of people's. Um, 
expectations, uh, or, or rather, of, of the expectations people have, um, the expectations we have for people to have responsibility for their own for their own actions and such. So, I mean, I think what happens is, even though this is said to be a one-off, I would not be surprised if we see something like this happen again in the future. Which is to say, deposits being made whole for amounts in excess of the uh, stipulated uh, minimum uh, or maximum, rather, uh, depository uh, insurance amounts. All right. Uh, American Institute for Economic Research is where you're going to find Peter's work. Uh, personal, social media, website, anything like that people can find you at? Yeah, I'm on Twitter as Peter C. Earl. That's Peter underscore C underscore Earl, E-A-R-L-E. And uh, yeah, just at the AIR site, AIR.org. We regularly uh, publish uh, articles and other research there. All right, Peter. Good talking again. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. Just ahead, the Biden administration says the government needs to crack down on higher pharmaceutical prices. I want cheaper meds too. Is this a good thing economically or for your health? We're talking about that just ahead right here on American Viewpoints.